When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. In 1992, the Food and Drug Administration decided that genetically modified organisms were the functional equivalent of conventional foods. They arrived at this decision without testing GMOs for allergenicity, toxicity, antibiotic resistance, and functional characteristics. The aim of the seed industry is a trillion dollars of profits from royalties every year. And the aim is no farmer should have access to their own seed. The aim is every farmer should be forced into the market every year. All across our country, our people are becoming more and more conscious about the foods that they are eating and the foods that they are serving to their kids. And this is certainly true for genetically engineered foods. Americans have a right to know if their food is genetically engineered. Hello and welcome to Mad Science, the Genetic Crossroad. I am your host, Anna Cavanaugh, and I want to thank you for joining me for the broadcast tonight. This is our very first broadcast of 2014, and we have a lot to talk about, about where we've been, how far we've come, and where we very well may be headed in our evolution as the profit-driven machine of the corporate biotech agribusiness industry continues to control and direct our path forward. I hope you will tune in and join me as we continue to delve into this disturbing industry, its practices, and its ramifications. I thought we'd begin our new year together with a show dedicated to what I feel is really an important and core question about what is going on. Science. It has propelled the human race forward for thousands of years, and while we have bettered our lives in so many aspects, there has been a heavy toll to pay in so many others. Biotechnology is being used by corporate and political interest in the most self-destructive drive for profit that we have ever seen in all of history. It is only our species that works against itself by using the very progress it creates. It is only us who build with one hand and break with the other. There is a union of science and human progress, yes. But where is the union of science and preservation? With corporations deciding the evolutionary fate of human health and longevity, is biotech really change for the better, or is it the beginning of the end? Where is the logic in building to break? Technology has been around for as long as humans have existed. Our ancient ancestors may not have understood it, but it was there, enabling us to convert natural resources to tools that helped us shape and control our world. It has been at the root of our progress throughout history and can be credited with some of our greatest accomplishments, but also for some of our worst disasters. Over the last three decades, we have witnessed a virtual explosion in technology, with more recent advances increasing exponentially in fields like computers, aerospace, medicine, and biotechnology. But what are the implications of this? Bigger and better technology does not necessarily mean better quality of life or positive progress. 
Technology has affected society and its surroundings in a number of ways. It has helped develop more advanced economies and has allowed the rise of a leisure-like class. However, along with the comforts, many technological processes produce dangerous pollution byproducts and deplete natural resources, all to the detriment of our health and our environment. Various applications of technology also strongly influence the values of society with new developments often raising novel ethical questions. For example, the corporatization of our food supply to such a degree that it puts consumers unknowingly at risk. Should corporations have the right to tamper with the genetic material in the food we eat without our knowledge or our consent? Is there a rational justification to this? Traditionally, there has been a union between science and human progress, with amazing developments in electrical power, transportation, communications, and medicine, among many others. And all of these have impacted us in ways that allow for more connected, productive, and extended lives. But technology is a double-edged sword. With all of the advancements and progress made, we have somehow lost the union between science and the preservation of our own species. Not to mention other species on our planet we have driven to extinction or placed in threat of extinction as our technology and our drive to progress has so recklessly destroyed or tampered with their habitats. There has been a change in the motivations behind scientific research which has more to do with making profits for corporations than it does with preventing disease or ensuring the integrity of our own lineage as a race. How could this happen? Well, one of the primary reasons is that scientific development has become almost entirely controlled by big business. In the past five decades alone, there has been a major shift in the philosophy and motivation of how industrial processes are developed and then applied. Every product, process, service, or function is corporatized, meaning that every aspect is geared to achieve the highest possible efficiency. The basic definition of high efficiency is this, making adjustments to a system such that the very least amount of input is used to achieve the very greatest output in as little time as possible. And this is what corporatization is all about making the least possible investment to get the greatest return. Now, although efficiency is a great principle when it comes to operating machines and equipment, it does not work so well for certain applications, particularly those in our food industry. See, food companies cut costs by using the cheapest inputs available. And generally, two of the most significant of these are genetically modified raw food sources and chemical additives. Now, this allows them to generate products inexpensively and in greater quantity with the added benefit of their products lasting much longer on store shelves, thereby maximizing the opportunity for consumers to then buy them. Ironically, it is technology that has allowed us to increase the efficiency of nearly every aspect of life, but in doing so has ultimately set us on a path that actually disassociates scientific progress with the true betterment of mankind. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong message here. I am not saying technology is a bad thing. I don't want to demonize technology. It's fantastic, and there is no denying what it has brought to our lives. 
but when it compromises the preservation of human health, longevity of life, and our natural evolutionary process, I think it's time we start asking some very serious questions. Let's take a look at the not-so-wonderful side of scientific advancement and technology. Scientific progress, motivated, guided, and controlled by corporate powers, is a disturbing reality that has unexpected and very dangerous results. A primary example of this was the Green Revolution in the early 1940s, which completely overhauled the way agriculture was done. It paved the way for industrializing all aspects of the sector by creating new chemical fertilizers, pesticides, mechanical processes, and breeding higher-yielding crops. Farmers stopped growing old-fashioned grains, beans, and vegetables, and they switched to new high-yield varieties of wheat, rice, corn, soy, and cotton. And although it is still regarded by many to be one of the greatest improvements to the modern world that we've seen, this isn't really an accurate and complete picture. Agriculture became industrialized, and through this, instead of being a farmer-driven industry, it became a corporate-driven one. The industrialization of agriculture was merely an opportunity for corporations to move in and to capitalize. Companies like Monsanto, DuPont, and Dow, they weren't even interested in agriculture in the beginning. They were all chemical companies. But they saw the Green Revolution as a money-making potential, and so they developed new products to suit the expanding industry by producing novel chemical crop fertilizers and pesticides. Their investment in these new chemical technologies was so successful that entire agricultural divisions were created in their corporate structures, giving birth to an entity known as chemical agribusiness. One of the greatest ironies coming from this has been that companies that are in business to produce toxic chemicals that destroy life are the same companies now in business to supposedly grow and protect life. Chemical companies in charge of our nutrition and our sustenance. Is there something wrong with this picture? Now, along with corporatization comes the need to hide what you're doing, right? So, for instance, in order for agribusiness corporations to avoid the stigma of exploiting farmers and consumers, they have traditionally downplayed how they are benefiting from the industrialization of agriculture. One of the golden rules of any competitive company is to hide as much as possible the fact that you're making huge profits. This avoids attention from potential competitors and ensures a continued level of revenue. Because of this, agribusiness corporations intentionally masked their own motivations and growing revenues by publicly highlighting and sensationalizing the benefits that were enjoyed by farmers and consumers. Countless examples exist where companies like Monsanto projected an image to the public by publishing pictures of happy farmers and lush-looking crops or having farmers and consumers overstating the benefits they were experiencing. This was all an attempt to create a public perception that the corporatization of our food is not only a good thing, but a necessary thing. However, if we were to examine who has actually benefited the most by this arrangement, it's clear corporate powers have, not farmers, and certainly not consumers. But now listen, this is not to say that farmers didn't enjoy some perks. They certainly did. The effects of the Green Revolution were very real. 
The yield per unit area of farmland improved by more than 30% between 1947 and 1979. That's all true. And in subsequent decades, food grain production increased consistently despite environmental challenges such as drought, soil depletion, weeds, insects, and other factors. Thus, a much higher level of efficiency was achieved in agriculture across the globe, creating self-sufficiency for many developing nations. However, these industrialized processes relied on continued access to higher levels of inputs, such as fertilizer treatments and pesticides, which had the overall effect of boosting agribusiness profits while burdening farmers with higher operating costs. And there were also unforeseen impacts to the environment through use of fossil fuel-based machinery such as tractors and other harvesting equipment as well as the petroleum ingredients used by agribusinesses in the production of their chemical products. These factors began to build up over time causing untold damage to ecosystems that we are just now beginning to understand decades later. Another unforeseen response to agricultural industrialization was a somewhat dramatic increase in human population, and as more food became available, there were greater expectations in meeting the needs of growing nations. This began to strain the existing infrastructure and called for new industrial methods to keep up with the demand. Fortuitously for big business, during the 1980s and 90s, significant advances were made in the field of biotechnology which allowed scientists to genetically engineer DNA material. This enabled the direct alteration of plant traits in much less time than ordinary crossbreeding methods and it allowed for much greater control in achieving desired outcomes. Crops could be genetically engineered to grow in regions with harsh weather conditions. They could be more resilient to destructive pests and also they could withstand even more toxic herbicides than were already being used. But one of the huge distinguishing factors in this new technology was that genetic traits could now be owned by the company who designed them. Genetic traits could be owned. They could be considered proprietary entities with protection under patent laws. And chemical agribusiness companies like Monsanto were quick to invest millions of dollars to utilize this new technology by patenting several crop traits. One of their first commercialized products was a seed genetically engineered to be resilient to their chemical herbicide Roundup. They named this flagship product line Roundup Ready Seeds meaning that farmers who planted them could spray their crops with Roundup herbicide, killing the weeds but not the crop. Roundup Ready soybeans were commercialized in 1996, followed by alfalfa, corn, cotton, canola, and sugar beets. This technology was initially very popular among farmers because they experienced a boom in crop yields. But there was a catch. Because the seeds were proprietary, they could not be saved to replant for the next growing season, which is a common practice of farmers for thousands and thousands of years. This forced farmers to become dependent on Monsanto to supply them with seeds and Roundup herbicide every year, in addition to purchasing technology use and licensing fees from Monsanto. Now, if any crops were found to contain the Roundup Ready trait, 
Monsanto had a legal right to pursue litigation against the farmers involved. This even applied to farmers growing organic crops that became contaminated with Monsanto's Roundup Ready seeds. A well-known example of this occurred in 1997 when uh, Canadian farmer Percy Schmeiser found Monsanto's genetically modified Roundup Ready canola plants growing on nearly 800 acres of his land. Even though Percy did not plant Monsanto seeds in his fields, when he harvested the season's canola crop, Monsanto proceeded to sue him for patent infringement, totaling some $400,000. And this sparked a court battle that resolved with Percy and Monsanto settling outside court. Monsanto has sued hundreds of other farmers under similar circumstances, with legal winnings in excess of $23 million. And there's more bad news. Despite promises made to farmers that using genetically modified technology would increase their crop yields dramatically, this has not turned out to be the case. Although there may have been an increase in the beginning, it has since reverted back to about where it was before the implementation of these biotechnologies. Nowadays, farmers need to apply nearly five times the amount of pesticide that they did just 10 years ago to keep pests at bay five times the amount. Biotech crops are not delivering as promised. But agribusiness companies continue to promote new transgenic products worldwide as the solution to meet growing global hunger needs. Their answer is now to genetically engineer crops to withstand pesticides with even greater toxicity. Dow AgroSciences has recently developed soybeans and corn crops that are resistant to 2,4-D. 2,4-D is one of the main components of Agent Orange. 2,4-D is a cancer-causing agent even at lower exposures, and it has been shown to cause birth defects, especially in male children. Monsanto is working with BASF, who is another agribusiness chemical giant, to commercialize dicamba-tolerant seeds, primarily for soybean, corn, and cotton, and they expect these to be approved as soon as this year. Dicamba is a highly toxic herbicide, more so than even is Roundup, and it is notorious for drifting to non-target crops and killing anything that it lands on. All of these agribusiness companies are switching to pesticides having higher toxicity because weeds are becoming resistant to their original chemical formulations. Farmers have had to use much larger quantities to achieve the same results. So the question is, What's going to happen when weeds adapt, which they will, to 2,4-D and dicamba? Will biotech agribusiness companies then turn to even more toxic chemicals, if you can imagine what that is? Or perhaps dioxins, which are a class of the most toxic man-made substances on Earth? This is a prime example of corporations on the technology treadmill that are regressing us, placing us in tremendous jeopardy and certainly not advancing us. In an attempt to cover up dangers or gain general approval for these new technologies, corporations craft advertisements and statements that influence the public perception showing how lives will be enhanced and improved by their products and that they take every precaution when it comes to health and safety. This kind of manipulation has successfully instilled the false notion that technology is being used to aid and advance humanity, 
One of the biggest examples is agribusiness promoting their GMO products as being the solution to world hunger. They claim that their genetically engineered seeds not only grow in the harshest of climates, but that they can be engineered to have much higher nutritional content. One of the more recent cases of this is transgenic rice, which is genetically engineered to contain higher levels of vitamin A. It is known as golden rice for its yellowish color. Mega Biotech Corporation, Syngenta, owns the patent on it and has been concentrating on having it approved for commercialization. They are aggressively campaigning golden rice to be the remedy for malnutrition in underdeveloped countries. But as with any corporatized product, there is little concern for safety. And in this case, Syngenta actually bypassed standard testing procedures that use rats or other small mammals. And instead, they secretly went directly to human subjects. Clinical trials involving both children and adults were conducted in 2004 and 5 in the U.S. and China. Details of these trials have not been divulged to the public and have been surrounded by secrecy. This is not responsible or ethical science. Golden rice is engineered to overproduce beta-carotene, which has derivatives known to be toxic and cause birth defects. Ingesting too much vitamin A also leads to liver abnormalities and reduced bone density resulting in osteoporosis. In addition, genetic alteration of golden rice is achieved using agrobacterium, which is known to invade human cells and can cause harmful mutations, including cancer. There is nothing good about this biotech product. Nothing. In a recently televised Canadian news program, business mogul Kevin O'Leary challenged an anti-GMO activist on the merits of corporations using genetic engineering to better our lives. And he argued that biotech companies should be able to commercialize technology to enhance the nutritional value of food. And he used golden rice as an example and reasoned that if people are starving because the rice they're eating has low nutritional content, then what is possibly wrong with genetically engineering it to have more nutrition and to prevent death? Well, this is a clear-cut example of the short-sighted argument that is commonly made by GMO proponents who just assume corporate intentions are benign. On the surface, it makes perfect sense. Anyone would agree that if something could be done to save the lives of thousands of people, we should do it. However, they fail to realize that this is just an illusion, a facade created to cover the true motivations of big business. So there is a lot more to the picture with golden rice that Mr. O'Leary either doesn't know about or he doesn't want to acknowledge. In a broader sense, he suggests that corporate biotech is pursuing the commercialization of this technology for humanitarian reasons, despite the horrific risks and ramifications of golden rice, all to prevent death. And this type of thinking is what we see all through the biotech industry. Unfortunately, no technology can be separated from corporatization. They go hand in hand. And corporatization, by its very nature, has nothing to do, nothing to do with humanitarian concerns. It has everything to do with increasing efficiency to increase profit, period. And this goes for the majority of those, not all, but the majority of those actually doing the research as well. There seems to be a misconception that scientists throughout the world conduct research to create technology 
for the sole purpose of improving humanity. Although this may be a comforting image, in the world today it is far from reality. The fact is, most scientists are owned by big business, and that includes researchers and federal protective agencies such as the FDA. Nearly all the technological research performed in the world is funded by corporations looking to exploit and capitalize on it. Scientists at research universities are strongly encouraged and even forced to work on projects that cater to corporate interests because their programs depend so much on this funding. Independent researchers that happen to produce studies going against corporate interests are typically met with strong opposition. They are discredited, defamed, and in some cases forced to lose their jobs. It is alarming when you trace the scientists and institutions that are so outspoken and in favor of biotechnology back to who is funding them. And you'll find that behind all of them exist partnerships, funding, and support by a handful of huge corporations. There is a general misunderstanding that science and technology is generated to benefit us. Some argue that even with the technology available today, we are fundamentally not the better for it. All commercialized technology is owned, operated, and controlled by big business. Any benefit to mankind has simply become a byproduct of the true motivation, which is to exploit markets and increase revenues for profit-driven corporations. And we? We are conditioned to believe that great care and concern is taken by these large companies and regulatory agencies to guard us from harm as they point the way and make decisions for us and for our families. And we say things like, well, they wouldn't put people at risk like that, or those agencies are founded on strict principles. They'll make sure that we're not in danger. Well, the sad fact is, there seems to be an illusion created by the corporate system and all levels of government as they rake in their profits. This isn't fear-mongering or activist rhetoric. This is the truth. This is the reality. There is something wrong when it is big business that decides which technologies are developed and how they will be utilized. There is something wrong when governmental regulatory agencies are filled with corporate players who are regulating corporate products. And there is something extremely wrong when decisions concerning our very sustenance, our food, are based on sales projections and revenue rather than real concern for the public consuming them. And there is something catastrophically wrong when technology, controlled by corporate interests, is building with one hand while simultaneously and knowingly breaking with the other. With corporations deciding the evolutionary fate of human health and longevity, is biotech really change for the better? Is it really about human progress leading down an endless road? Or will this technological advancement ultimately lead us to the end of it? And with that, as we get back up and running with all new broadcasts in this all new year, I would like to remind you of our special feature on the show called The Listener's Voice. So if you have a question or comment and would like to be featured on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Just pay a visit to the website at www.geneticcrossroadradio.com and follow the link to the listener's voice. Once there, fill in the form and just send me along your thoughts. I'll feature as many as I can during each broadcast. Your voice, it really does matter, and it will help make a difference in both the future of our food and our human health. This show is a conversation, and that's where all change begins. 
So let's get talking. I also want to tell you about the Facebook page for the series. If you are enjoying the show and would like to participate in some more interactive communication, I'd love for you to come give a like and join it at www.facebook.com slash Anna Kavanaugh, Mad Science, Genetic Crossroad. And we're also on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash GMO, Mad Science. Thank you for listening to Mad Science, The Genetic Crossroad. Please join me every Tuesday for more on GMO. On next week's show, that's Tuesday, January 21st, we'll continue our conversation with an episode named Genetically Modified, The Biotech World Here and Now. What are the latest developments in the world of GMOs? From GMO labeling laws, global outrage, corporate product pipelines, to the debacle over the Seralini study on human health risks. We'll examine new aspects to the biotech business and their implications for the health and safety of consumers worldwide. We may know where we have been, and we may know where we are in the midst of the genetically modified debate, but can we see where we're going? I hope you'll join me for next week's broadcast. If we destroy nature, surely nature will destroy us. For while we may hold dominion over nature, we do not possess its wisdom. Until next time, be well, be healthy, and be informed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.